Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport Hello Cup fanatics London calling as Wembley is the destination for record FA Cup winners Arsenal and the most successful side in the competition this century He goes alone and scores and Aubameyang has scored once in each half Arsenal lead Manchester City by two goals to nil. Into Giroud, a little stiff for the goalkeeper who's missed it. It's squirmed through his legs and Chelsea have the lead again. Pragmatic against Pep, will it be Abarido Arteta trying to frustrate Frank or will Olivier Giroud be parting in his back garden again? We will analyse the game with all the gusto of a Johnny Evans last-ditch studs-up challenge. Plus, the Championship playoff final, our review of the season, what was the best performance of the campaign? And I'll tell you why no one scored a better goal than KDB. Also, the Dream Team final result and the quiz of 1920 with Andrew Butler trying desperately to redeem himself after a dreadful performance in the midwinter break. <laughs> All on the podcast that's sharper than Mo Salah's new haircut, it's the Game Day Preview Podcast from Talk Sport. This is Game Day. I think he looks very cool, by the way. Uh, Darren Lewis from The Mirror is here. Hello. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, I, uh, Alex Crook is here as well, TalkSport commentator. And from this Sunday, by the way, TalkSport presenter. Check out the big brain on bread. He's, uh, he's got a new programme on Sunday. One till five, is that right? The Sunday session. Where'd you get that idea from? <laughs> well, listen, uh, you know, I always nick all your best work, but it's going to be good fun. Um, I think it's going to be me and Darren Bent and, and one other player, but this week, Jamie O'Hara is stepping in for Darren Bent because Darren's away. So as we know, Darren is, is great fun, great football knowledge. We've had him on the podcast a few times. So yeah, looking forward to it. I uh, thought that was some fiction that had been pulped when I heard about that. But um, no, no, it's, see, uh, see what I did there. Yeah, it's going to be a page um, turner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be doing that, that John Travolta dance as well when he gets off air if he's done a good job. <laughs> um, I might well do. One game to go. Uh, but in truth, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm already on the beach. Physically, no, actually, I'm actually on the beach. I've, I've worked out that this is the only clear week without football until 2023. So I packed up the car on Sunday night, shuffled everyone off to chase the sun. I have got a little bit of a glow uh, because I'm, I'm down on the south coast. It's warmer here than it is in Manchester. Uh, but I also think I'm a little bit cream crackered because I did 30 minutes on a pedalo yesterday. Now, I don't know who invented pedalos, but I hate pedalos. They're horrible things. I always have to do the pedalling. Everyone else has a great time floating around a stinky lake. I've done my ACL. I, 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 you told me about the time that you were on with Zed. And um, you... you, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember. You have told me about a time you were on a pedalo. With, with, with Crook? Yeah. I was on a rowing really? boat. I don't remember this I was story. on a rowing boat with Crook. Oh, uh, maybe I've got, yeah, maybe that's right. A maybe rowing boat a rowing boat with Crook in Bulgaria. And I don't remember that. it was his stag do and he made everybody else row because he couldn't be bothered. He's all, I'm on my stag do, aren't I? I don't need to do any work. <laughs> True story. <laughs> no, I, and by the way. I actually don't remember that. I'm not surprised you don't remember it because you didn't get in till eight o'clock the previous morning and it was only about <laughs> half past 11 by the time we got on that lake. Anyway, should we get to the big game previews? Goes <laughs> alone and scores! And Aubameyang has scored once in each half! Arsenal lead Manchester! 
Manchester City by two goals to nil. We have a beautiful challenge, a very demanding challenge, but a beautiful challenge ahead of us. Sabayos takes over, goalkeepers come out, and Sabayos has won it through the legs of Henderson and into the net. There's going to be goals, because the way that Frank wants to play is attacking, I also can't defend, I also want to attack. I think it's a, a toss of a coin, to be honest. Into Giroud, a little stiff for the goalkeeper, who's missed it. It's squirmed through his legs, and Chelsea have the lead again. We're in a cup final, but of course, you only want to go to a cup final to win, but it's important we have a very well-prepared week and, uh, and perform on the day. Three away, mate, including Barkley, 1-0. Brilliantly taken goal by Ross Barkley, who's made a real difference since coming on a half-time. We've worked the whole season for this. We want to keep pushing to win things, and this obviously gives us an opportunity to win something again. Hopefully we can just keep pushing, keep getting better and better. This is Arsenal's 21st FA Cup final appearance, which is a record, and uh, they always save themselves with an FA Cup win. Now, I think I was roundly scoffed at when I suggested that Mikel Arteta could finish the season with a flourish and win the FA Cup, but in true Crook and Lewis style, I know this will be greeted with collective amnesia, uh, but let's see if you can remember what happened in the semi when they produced a Jose Mourinho-esque masterclass to outwit uh, Pep Guardiola. Can they do that again against Chelsea, Darren? Or surely he has to be a little bit more expansive? I think he's going to have to be a lot more expansive because I think Chelsea are more baffle-hard and psychologically Chelsea have got the edge over the side they demolished in the Europa League final last season. Uh, they might not have Hazard, but they do have a Pulisic who's coming into his own twinkle-toed American who didn't really want to be compared to Hazard when he first arrived. But now all of those comparisons uh, are being attributed to him because he is just a fantastic player. And I just think Chelsea have so many points of attack. Unconvincing in defence, it has to be said. Maybe, Alex, you can pick up on there and, and pick the holes quite literally. Um, in my argument but I think as far as Chelsea are concerned I think getting in the top four is a huge boost the players are still playing for their places uh, because of the players that they've got waiting in the wings to come in next season whereas Arsenal if you stop Lacazette sorry if you stop Aubameyang away from the Emirates you pretty much stop Arsenal because Lacazette doesn't score away from home very often I think only one of his goals so far has yeah he scored against Wolverhampton Wanderers recently and that was I think ended a very long time 15 months or something without scoring a goal away from home he, he doesn't do it very often can Arsenal survive without Skodran Mustafi yes I'm really asking this question <laughs> uh, quick stat on Lacazette actually and I didn't realise this until I spoke to him yesterday he's never scored in the FA Cup so Does now would be a good time FA to Cup, start really well, I think you'll find he's played in a few times over the course of Have his Have you done your research career, to find so. out how many times he's played in the FA Cup? No, because I didn't, I didn't know that stat until one of the other journalists on the press call pointed it out. Nor did he, by the way. He was quite surprised by that, quite taken aback, and said Lacazette. now would be a good time to start. That's very interesting. And, 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 and like I said, it does underline what I was saying before. You know, he, he goes away from Holloway, or Drayton Park to be exact, and it's as if there is a force field or some kind of kryptonite preventing him from scoring goals. Now, you can talk all about him working hard to set up other players and, and being all selfless and that, but his job is to score goals. And away from home, you can only really rely on uh, Aubameyang to do that. And that gives Arsenal a big, big problem. No, I mean, again, just back to Sam's point about Mustafi, I know it was partly in jest, but it does cause them a problem. Um, doesn't it in terms of mm. how they might set up if he was contemplating a back three do they now have the personnel without Mustafi to do that one of the other things well, that Emi Martinez do you bring in Holding and play him alongside Luis and Kolasinac well that's one option but do you trust Kolasinac in that position I'm... well they've had to haven't they <laughs> I, I think they'll probably have to go to a back four and actually because Chelsea are probably only going to play Giroud up front with the others sort of buzzing around off him maybe they will feel they don't need a a back three but it's going to be one of the interesting battles isn't it Olivier Giroud loves Wembley loves the FA Cup against his old club and against a former teammate in, in David Luiz I spoke to Emi Martinez yesterday we're going to hear from him later but he was saying that David Luiz has been really sharp in training this week so he's backing him to come out on top in that particular duel but then I guess he has to say that um, Chelsea are unbeaten against Arsenal in the previous two meetings this season but we saw that form and history both go out the window in the semi-final when Chelsea beat their previous nemesis Manchester United does Frank play a back three here which has seemed to be the cornerstone of his best performances in recent weeks Alex probably I think Lampard strikes me as a manager who once he's hit upon a formula and it works why change it 
Um, and we would expect Lacazette and Aubameyang and probably Pepe to play as well. So that's a pretty potent attack. I think what we know about this game is it isn't going to be nil-nil, is it? They're both teams are going to mm-hmm. score. That, for me, would be the better of the weekend because both have their defensive vulnerabilities. But I do wonder if Arsenal have become a team who relish the underdog role. Again, Martinez was talking about 2017 when they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final. He was on the bench that day and I think most people expected Chelsea to win. That was a bit of a surprise result. The semi-final, nobody was giving Arsenal a prayer, really. I mean, you'll say, Sam, that you kept it open. You didn't really expect them to beat Manchester City. So, so maybe this siege mentality, everybody writes them off. They can Convenient amnesia uh, coming back again. They can use that to their advantage. I mean, I, I, I can't call this. I think it's really in the balance. Yeah, it's a 50-50 game, um, isn't it? You know, Chelsea have got an issue with the fact that their midfield hasn't been particularly good, I don't think, over the course of the season. It looks it, it doesn't look as steely without N'Golo Conte. And it, and it isn't as creative without him either because his presence allows everybody else to go and do their more creative work further up the pitch. He's been training, but he hasn't featured since the Watford game at the start of June, I think it was, or in the middle of June when we first came back from the resumption. Would you risk bringing him, bringing him back or, or would you trust Kovacic and, and Jorginho against Ceballos and Shaka in that middle of the park, Darren? I would take Kovacic and Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek if he's available as well. Um, I wonder if he might go with a three. It's a difficult one because, as Alex has been saying, they were really good Chelsea against Wolves in a game they had to win to be masters of their own destiny. Played with a three in that game. It was a bit. Um, it was a bit sort of dogged and not very nice to watch for the first forty-five minutes, though, wasn't it? It was, but the the the, the objective was to win. Mm. And I think sometimes it, it, it's been a debate all season. I had a debate with some friends the other day about Mourinho and, you know, it, the style of play is not great. But the objective for Mourinho is to win matches. You can focus on artistic impression. Sorry, Sam. Um, further down the road. but <laughs> Why? Why? Why sorry but, to me? Well, you're the ice skating man, aren't you? You know all about artistic impression. I just read off a script. Oh, come on. You do a little <laughs> bit more than that. You're, you're pretty good. You know, I must admit, I've, I, I saw someone doing rollerblading on the beach yesterday and I thought, oh, nice crossovers. There you go, you see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move swiftly on. Yeah. But I just think as far as um, Chelsea's midfield is concerned, there are fewer mistakes in there than there are in the Arsenal midfield. Uh, Xhaka's always likely uh, sort of a rush of blood away from a bad foul on someone that puts him under pressure. And... I, I, I don't know. I, for me, I just think there are more points of attack in the Chelsea lineup, and there are better ball players, ball, uh, passers of the ball in the midfield as well. Chelsea at the back are horrendous. I think they've conceded more goals than any other team in the top ten, yep. let alone the top four. Um, so that will be something that Arsenal will be looking to exploit. But I'm going with that midfield at Chelsea. I think they're more competent. Arsenal have uh, conceded 64 goals in all competitions this season. Um, So they're not particularly reliable at the back either. But they are, as you say, taking on the top six most unreliable defence. And that, I suppose, gives you sort of uh, credence to the argument that it'll be an open and entertaining cup final. What about Olivier Giroud? Because we talked about David Luiz and and the sort of connection that he has in this game. But so does Olivier Giroud because he went the other way. The Chelsea fans absolutely love him. He scored five goals in six matches at the end of a season in which he was pretty much put out to pasture to help Chelsea into the Champions League. He calls Wembley his garden. He scored again in the semi-final there. He's looking for a fifth FA Cup triumph in nine seasons. Reasons. What makes him so useful for Frank Lampard, Crook? I think clearly he's a physical threat and, and, and he's somebody who knows where the back of the net is. He's, he's no nonsense. He, he's not a particularly extravagant footballer, but if you give him a chance, then he quite often tucks it away. And that's a nice luxury to have at your disposal, isn't you? And when you read out those stats, obviously it's the battle of the two Frenchmen as well. In Lacazette, who only ever seems to score at the Emirates, as Darren has already articulated. And Olivier Giroud, of course, was so important to that French World Cup win and... Um, Theo Walcott mentioned it to me earlier in the season that without Giroud, France wouldn't have won that World Cup. And I do wonder if, if maybe he's a bit underappreciated, uh, not only in his, his homeland, but also in the Premier League because his record is, is up there to be shot at. But he doesn't probably get the credit that he deserves. And I think he has to play. Um, I think Abraham has, has struggled since he came back from injury. And I think Giroud is going to cause a real problem for that Arsenal defence. I, I guess the fact they're familiar with his strengths maybe well they were familiar with his strengths in Baku, he, made, he made a mockery of them in Baku didn't he I mean he scored and he assisted twice he was absolutely fantastic in that game 
And as you say, he loves playing at Wembley. He's going to go there with his chest pupped out. He's, he's going to be confident. And of course, we know that Chelsea are, are going to be big spenders in the transfer market. They've already brought in Timo Werner. We understand Kai Havertz is close as well. So mm. he needs to prove to Frank Lampard that he can be part of his plans for next season. Um, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned about Frank Lampard and it being a successful season if he does a, an outstanding season, you said, if he uh, lifts the FA Cup as well as getting Chelsea into the top four. What about Mikel Arteta? He gets a lot of goodwill, actually. I, I've been pretty kind to him because I've seen a lot of them and I can see with my own eyes what he's trying to do. I think he needs the backing of the board in the summer, although I did speak to him last week. And he was pretty clear that when I asked him about the big summer ahead and whether the board needed to invest in players, he said, I have to improve the players I have, which sort of sends a message that there was not going to be too much cash for him to spend. What do you think about his first six or seven months, Darren? Um, I wrote a piece after the Manchester City win. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and I basically said you know just imagine what he could do if he got the Arsenal credit card during the summer but it, it looks increasingly like Arsenal simply don't have the money to provide him with the transfer funds this summer true is it uh, they now, do have well, money they just don't want well, to spend it, it exactly that's that was the next point I was about to make how is that the case when you're talking about one of the richest clubs in European football if he is not to get the backing this summer, then you have to question why he took the job in the first place. Mm. Because he must surely have sat down and asked about the club's long-term vision and, and what they plan to do to even keep pace with the side challenging for the top four, let alone break into it. Um, and if it is going to be the case that he goes into this summer without money to spend, then maybe he might have made a bit of a mistake going into Arsenal because Arsenal should be providing whoever is in charge of that team with the funds to be able to change it. At the moment, they've got a hapless defence. Their, their midfield's unconvincing and they're probably going to lose their star striker. He needs urgent reinforcements. You're, so he's you're got pretty one clear or two on this, aren't you? Young you keep Absolutely. On, you're pretty sure that 22 goal Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will be leaving this summer. You think that, don't you? I cannot remember a situation where a player... And you guys might be able to correct me, but I can't remember a situation where players got to the end of the season with a year left recently, a high-profile one, and has and has not signed, and has stayed at the club, you know, either that summer or the following year. Ericsson, you know, he had a year left, ran it down, and and, and ran it down to a year, and then left. Uh, Vertonghen at Spurs as well done the same thing uh, at Arsenal Ramsey uh, Sanchez they eventually had to do a hurried deal for him um, Van Persie they had to do a hurried deal for him they, Fabregas as well there are so many players Nasri every time a player gets to this stage and, and again if you're listening and you can correct me feel free and I'll put my hands up and, and, and uh, you know it's not some big competition whatever but we have all seen the tea leaves there's no but great the insight from there. me yeah. to say this yeah. the trend is there and I, I don't think that he's going to buck that trend if there is a team in the Champions League and you've got to bear in mind he's in his sorry I'm pointing as in which yeah, well, you're getting a little bit aggressive I'm, passionate again I'm on holiday you know I'm chilling <laughs> out <laughs> but the point I'm making is this he doesn't owe Arsenal anything. This guy scored goals for fun. Arsenal haven't done their job in providing the platform for those goals to mean something. If he were to leave now and go to a club that's playing Champions League football, they can't moan about that. They might not be playing Europa League football unless they win the FA Cup. Well, you're right. And uh, let's hear from Emmy Martinez on this because I asked him how important it was for Arsenal to get into Europe to win the FA Cup in order to keep players like Aubameyang. Here was his view. Yeah, of course. Everyone wants to play in Europe or in Champions League. You know that if you play Europa League next season, it's, a, it's another way to qualify to Champions League. We want to play in Europe. We want to. We we want it more than them. That's the reality, uh, and that and that might might be a big part in the final. Okay, let's uh, do a couple of predictions for the FA Cup final. Chelsea have scored ninety eight goals this season in all competitions. Arsenal ninety one, but they've played a handful more games because of the Europa League. Um, Lacazette hasn't scored in any of his four FA Cup games. Um, which is uh, obviously very disappointed for him. He'd probably score one at the weekend. Um, both teams to score, I think we're pretty sure on that. What, what do we reckon then? I reckon 2-2 extra time, Chelsea to lose on penalties or to win on penalties and Caballero to make a big save. I'm going Chelsea in extra time, Olivier Giroud to get the winner. 
I'm going a high-scoring game, but I'm going Chelsea in normal time. I think they'll be too confident, and Arsenal um, will have a good, strong game plan. But I think if Chelsea score early, that will fall apart, and I think it'll be an open game, an entertaining game as well. Well, let's hope. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Okay. Promotion from the Championship isn't and shouldn't be an easy task. Brentford have blown the chance for automatic promotion. Can you believe it? Fulham are back in the Premier League. And Craven Cottage will host all the big boys once again next season. The riches that are offered by the Premier League should be cherished and should be earned, not given. And it's headed in by Ollie Watkins. And that's why Brentford are motoring so well. Mitrovic! Applies the follow-up, and what a game by the Thames. And Abramo poking in, it's an outstanding finish. Into the box, right-hand side, oh, what a goal. Ivan Caballero for Fulham. Cabana curves it past the wall, and that is a free kick. The Chorley has taken Fulham to Wembley. Left-footed ball in from Henry, falling in for 3-0. Brentford saying goodbye, Griffin Park, and hello to Wembley. It's the playoffs. We love them. Talking of entertaining games, um, Brentford against Fulham in the Championship playoff, a West London derby. Um, should be pretty entertaining. I don't know how much you saw of the Brentford game against uh, Swansea. It, it was a brilliant end-to-end encounter. They were, they, I mean, they're very well organised, Brentford, aren't they? I mean, they're, uh, they've always been a well-drilled team. I, I, I've followed them with their owner, Matthew Benham, who once summoned me to a, a Soho coffee shop to talk to me about um, for the football further up the pyramid. It was brilliant. It was great. And he, you know, Is that said, what it was called? It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> he's a, like, sort of a reclusive character. You never get to see him or hear of him. But, you know, and then I got a message from him. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I went and met him for a coffee. He was a really inter- interesting and entertaining guy. Nice guy. Kept in touch a little bit with him. Not too much, but I'm sure he'd be delighted right now. Um, and Ooh. he's... Uh, Thomas Frank is, is another sort of odd character, isn't he? Pretty pleasant, but quite strange in the way he communicates. He's obviously Danish, so there's the accent and the sort of Scandinavian looks, but he's, uh, you know, he's created something there. And with that strike force of BMW, as it's affectionately known, they've done particularly well. You've seen them a few times, Crook, haven't you? Yeah, the very first game back after the lockdown actually was um, their win at Fulham Live on TalkSport 2, and I was really impressed that day. They went on that incredible run, didn't they? And I thought, like most people they've blown it I and mean, if you'd said to them at the start of lockdown you just need one win against Stoke or Barnsley and you'll be a Premier League club they'd have bitten your hand off and they managed to blow it twice so it's a great test of character and, and they passed that test of character especially after losing the first leg to come back and, and book their place at Wembley and I think they've got a lot of neutral supporters it's the fairy tale story isn't it leaving Griffin Park after all these years the way the club is run they have a history of selling their best players I think there's more pressure on Fulham in this game because Fulham were pretty much the favourites for promotion at the start of the season. I think in terms of the squad, you would look at it and say that they, they should be going up. They had to deal with so a lot of naysayers Sc- though, Crook, didn't they? I mean, Scott Parker got a little bit of stick. He's not really the right character to be a manager, blah, blah and blah. And he's proved a lot of people wrong, I think. Well, I don't think he has. I think he's only proved people really? wrong if they go up. I think if they're losing playoff finalists, that would be seen as a failure for Scott Parker at this season with the riches that he's had at his disposal, Mitrovic and Knockhart coming in for big money as well. I think certainly... 
at the start of the season, more people have expected Fulham to go up than Brentford. And why would you say that? Bearing in mind that Brentford have had a few seasons in the Premier uh, in the Championship to school themselves on how to deal with the division, and yet we regularly say this is the hardest division in the in the world to get out of. Well, because Fulham were only in the Premier League for a year, so they were pretty well versed Scott in the Parker, Championship before Scott that. Parker's only been a manager for since last March, hasn't he? Yeah, but I, I think they should have gone up, and I think if they don't go up, it will be there will be questions asked about Scott Parker, and, and he may even leave the club. I, I really think it would be a massive underachievement, Darren, if they don't go up. It's a tight one. It's a tight one. You make some very valid points that it's very hard to argue with. Look, on the one hand, in the brutal nature of, of football, there are some schools of thought that maybe he could pay with his job. That said. I just think that he's put some really solid building blocks in at a club that was a basket case this time last year. You know, five wins from their last, I think it's six wins actually, from their last eight games. And the other two were draws. They're in a good solid vein of form. But as you rightly say, you know, you look at Ollie Watkins, 26 league goals this season. And Saeed Benarama as well, 17 goals in the championship as well. And the stakes are high for Brentford too, because if they don't go up, there are a lot of clubs, a couple of whom I've spoken to this week, who desperately want Benarama. And he wants to play in the Premier League as well. So he could be going whether they go up or not. So They will sell, won't they? The one thing we know about Brentford yes. is they are a selling club. Yeah. The whole yes. model is built around developing their own players well, and selling them on a profit. It, 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 they're, they're one of these clubs that don't have a youth set up. But they have, or a, a reserve team, they have a B team, don't they? And they, mm. they buy players for the B, they buy younger players for the B team. And then those players slowly but surely filter their way into the, the A team. It's a, it's a very different model, but it's a model that they have designed after running a club in Denmark, Matthew Bennett also owned uh, Midtjylland in the Danish league as well, and they they, they just try they try to apply business philosophies to to, to 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 football, which I'm sure not many people do. I mean, one or two do, but it's it's not really run like that, is it? In most, Fulham spent thirty million in the summer, by the way, ten million on Caballero, eight million on Bobby Reid, five million Michael Hector. Um, five million on Anthony Knockhart. This is good money for a championship club. That's why I think there is more pressure on them than Brentford. There might be more pressure on them, but what we're saying, is, we didn't say there wasn't more pressure on them. We just said we don't think that he should be fired if they don't go up. <laughs> I think the question will be asked in the boardroom. Well, I think if you look at somebody like. <laughs> <laughs> what have you like... got it in for Scott Parker for? <laughs> I just think it's an underachievement. It'd be interesting to know what Fulham fans are They've won six of their last eight away games. No championship club have won more away from home since he took over. But they were on a dreadful run before that, weren't they? Because at one stage they it's were the looking like they could be genuine. Yeah, but if they're on a dreadful run and then they correct that run so that they can finish strongly going into the, the biggest game of their season. And, the, and you know, surely that's good, no? Let's see what happens on, on Tuesday night. I'm so you forward. would sack him. If they don't go up, you would sack him? Yes, I would. Yeah. Ridiculous. And who do you replace him with? You could do worse than go back to Slavica Jukanovic. He's got them out of that division before. So, somebody with a proven track record to go back to the point that Sam made of getting teams from the Championship into the Premier League. It's, it's not an easy task. We know that. And I wonder if Scott Parker had the re- relevant experience so a young manager who's in his first job you would get rid of him at 39 years of age just dis- discard him and bring in somebody else I would yeah but I'm ruthless <laughs> you are gosh dear oh dear uh, let's look back at the season we've just seen and Pookie's got a great opportunity and Norwich City lead by three goals to one VAR has just achieved the impossible by getting even worse. Here comes Vardy, right footed, and he scores! Leicester City have nine! And Liverpool, who have a fantastic record against Manchester City at Anfield, have continued that fantastic record by winning against Manchester City by three goals to one. Get the ball to his right, but now it's into the corner, and that's it now, job is done. It's all over for Tottenham, down on the south coast. If you just tune in, breaking news, Spurs have sacked Maurizio Pochettino. You sleep in the middle of five or six huge soft pillows. Very, very good. Expensive velvet. Stuart Atwell looks at his watch, blows the whistle. 76 points. It's coming to Liverpool. Deeney with an open net to score and does, and it's 3 0. Arsenal have sacked. 
Unite Emery. This is a statement from Arsenal that has recently been released saying that their manager Mikel Arteta has tested positive for coronavirus. The Premier League has suspended all football until at least April the 4th. Normally a crowd of 60,000. The new normality is particularly eerie. And Willian may have delivered the title for Liverpool here. Manchester City's failure to beat Chelsea means it can now be confirmed that Liverpool are the champions of England for a 19th time. Let's look back at some of the best bits of the season. I sent you some categories that I would like you to review for me and what you think. Um, just quick fire. Uh, the best performance by a team in a game was your favourite goal. What were you going to miss next year? Most entertaining team to watch. Play that you want your club to transfer in. What's going to excite you about next season? Just to sort of give a flavour of the season, the odd season that we've had. You know, 353 days of madness. I mean, it, you know, it's only 12 days short of an entire year this football season. So uh, let's crack on with it Darren tell me about the best performance you've seen by a team in the game the best performance does it have to be Premier League or can it be any other I mean, most leagues? of us prepared for this Darren I mean bearing in mind that we're quite ruthless on this uh, programme no, I did, like I, did. I did <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did it's just that I do have a couple of um, uh, suggestions oh good yeah um, I did like Chelsea's performance against Manchester City on the night when it looked very much as though City were going to go there uh, and win well. City mm. overwhelmed them for much of the game and then Chelsea fought back superbly yeah. um, in the second half to win that match. I really enjoyed that. Um, also sort of exposed that, uh, the Manchester City floor of the season, wasn't it? The defensive mishaps that had cost them to retain exactly. their Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the, the the performance of the the entire season for me, if you were to look at all of the competitions, was a game I was at between Spurs and Bayern Munich, where Bayern Munich dismantled them so ruthlessly that I believe Pochettino would be sacked that night. It was humiliating, mm. devastating. That was the performance for me of the entire season. I, I went for Leicester versus Liverpool uh, back on, I think it's Boxing Day, around that sort of time. The Reds coming up against what was at the time the second best team in the table they were awesome from start to finish Firmino was brilliant all the way through and scored twice Alexander-Arnold scored a fantastic brilliant fourth goal all round they were sharper hungry and faster and Leicester had just lost to Manchester City their confidence was damaged a bit but it was laid bare in front of your eyes at that moment there and then this is the best against the second best right now and that gap was so huge I thought it sort of set the tone for the season Crook? Well I enjoyed United's wins over Manchester City and I've not been able to use the plural to describe those games too much in recent seasons but actually the standout performance for me was at St Mary's when Leicester racked up the biggest ever Premier League away win by putting nine goals past Southampton as poor as Saints were the Foxes were relentless that night and you couldn't not admire the way that Johnny Evans was going around cajoling his teammates towards the end yeah. of the game, telling them to keep going for goals because they could make history. But I also think the way that Ralph Hasenhutl saved Saints' season after such oh, a yeah. humiliating defeat is in itself a contender for the best performance. Not many managers would have survived that, let alone thrive as he has done. Could you just flash your I Love Ralph t-shirt, please? Just one, <laughs> one last time on the podcast. Um, Favourite goal? Uh, anything by Kevin De Bruyne for me, who I must admit I'm a little bit in love with, almost as much as Crook is with Ralph uh, Hasenhutl. I think he's the best player in the world, mainly because I reckon he's as good as he is despite liking chips. But the goal against Norwich on the final day was very good. The one away at Newcastle is just goddamn box office. Mm. Out of the sky, control on the chest, wallop, keep that down, almost rip the net off. Sensational. Darren? Uh, I did like Son Heung-min against Burnley. Anybody can run fast, but um, I think the close control, I don't care if the defending is poor. The fact is that he still has to have the composure and the presence of mind to travel from his own box into the opposing box and then have the composure to finish as well. For me, an outstanding example of what Son is all about. If I were a bigger team in the Champions League, you could do a lot worse than maybe ask Spurs how much they would want for him. 
Great player. Oh, Spurs fans won't be happy with that. You deriding them as not a big team. No, 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 no. I mean a Champions League team rather than not a big team. We all know Spurs are a big club, so yeah, yeah. stop digging. Crook. what an honourable mention for Marcus Rashford and that knuckleball goal that you described so eloquently, Sam, against Chelsea. Um, but like Darren, I was lucky enough actually to be commentating for Talksport 2 when Son scored that goal against Burnley. Goals like that don't come along every day. It had everything. It had pace. It had power. It had balance. It had poise. It had coolness. It was breathtaking. So that goal for me as well. Darren, what are you going to miss next year? I'm going to miss uh, Bournemouth. And I just love the fact that a small club defied the odds, made their way up the leagues into the top division or able to hold a place there as well. Um, and not only did they do all of that, but they continued to perform season in, season out with players that had been performing at a lower level. Mm. There was a lot to like about the way they went about their business. Last season, it's just gone. They made some investments that didn't pay off. Um, and you could see from quite a way out that the writing was on the wall. But I will miss them, and I hope they're back soon. Well, I miss Scott Parker. and and the entire Bournemouth recruitment department which you've savaged over the course of the last 10 months I have got written down that I will miss Bournemouth um, and catching up with all the great people there it's a lovely club on and off the pitch and I think Darren's dead right you know as much as they've had a bad season and there's no getting away from that mistakes have been made for a little club to dream big and to keep themselves in the Premier League for five years would be on their wildest dreams, really. And I think if they do recruit well this summer and they keep Eddie Howes, looks likely, I think they can challenge. But on the same tone, I'm going to miss Troy Deeney, you know, someone that we've got to know quite well over the course of the lockdown period. He pitched up on a couple of our private quizzes and he also gives the best post-match interviews in in the Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most entertaining team to watch. Um, For me, Leicester City. And they created a lot of chances. They let in goals. They weren't as good in the second half of the season as the first. But their match against Tottenham at the King Power Stadium, I don't know if you remember it, back in the sort of late summer, early autumn. Um, brilliant game. Vardy, Madison, Schmeichel. Really good characters. They won 2-1 in that game. Chilwell and Pereira, I think, were great. And Pereira particularly much better than Chilwell. I didn't actually think Chilwell had a great season from about sort of November onwards, if I'm completely honest. Uh, City and Liverpool obviously better teams. But... The faltering foxes get my vote because they were the most entertaining for me. Like you know, to go to the watch the games, whatever. And it's easy to say Liverpool, Manchester City, but I think he's done well there, Brendan. Darren, do you want to have another go at that? I mean, you know, it was the most entertaining team to watch, not entertaining match to watch. Yeah, I'm just saying. Over the course of the season, you know, you like highs and lows. Liverpool didn't have any lows, did they? Look, sometimes you have to just admit, as far as Liverpool are concerned. There are so many players, there are so many games in which they put together attacks that had you on the edge of your seat. They had such a commitment to enterprising attacking football in every game. Yeah. You can't look beyond them. Okay. You know, and can't not only that, but say Liverpool, can we? Why? Why? Why boring. can we not all say Well, it's boring, but it's true. So they're not, not entertaining then if it's boring. You can't make something up if it's not true. But the it is most true. entertaining Leicester, team to watch Leicester on a consistent basis this season, yeah. on a consistent basis. You know, I, I disagree with both of you, by the way. Oh, go on. I've said all season that although they won the title Burnley. in Liverpool and not the best footballing side in the country, and that isn't in any way mocking their achievement because they have a will to win that clearly has been second to none. But for me, they're great Liverpool. By Manchester way. City are the most exciting team. No question about that. You only have to look at the number of goals they've scored, the number of times they've scored four or more in a match. Their problem has been defensive. If they can tighten that up over the summer, they're going to take some stopping next season. Because if I had a choice of Liverpool's attack or De Bruyne, Aguero, Mares, I'm going to go Manchester City every day of the week. And, and if you said to me, here's £100 to go and watch Liverpool or Manchester City, I'd go and watch Manchester but City. But you've undermined your own argument because you've said they've been great everywhere but in defence. Liverpool have been not just good in defence, but Van Dijk's been like a Rolls Royce, just jogging lightly along, dispossessing attacking players and setting the offensive players on the way to running rings around the opponents. Okay. Got long balls from Liverpool as well. Alexander-Arnold and Robertson just smashing it forward. But when De Bruyne hits them, they're absolute peaches of a pass. I missed out David Silva as well. How can I miss out David Silva? David or David? Anyway, should we move on to a player you want to, your club to transfer? And we'll try and make these quick. Uh, because they're supposed to be sure. quick-fire questions, not uh, hour-long <laughs> drive-time debates. 
with <laughs> I kick Darren Adrian Durham Lewis. <laughs> um, go on. Nathan Ake, for me, as a player who would make a massive difference um, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. There's an imbalance between how good they are going forward and how poor they are at the back. I think Ake would solve that. And I would compare a partnership between Ake and Harry Maguire to John Terry and Ricardo Carvalho when they're at Chelsea. Okay. Um, quick fire, Darren. Player you would like to transfer into your club? Well, I would love to get Thiago Alcantara if they could do the deal. It would be too expensive because I think he's oh, what, early 30s. He's only got a year left. Also, I would like to take in Aubameyang uh, at Liverpool. I just think that if you look at Liverpool, if they were to go for Thiago Alcantara, he's got a year left on his contract. He would improve that Liverpool midfield, add a touch of class and all big teams when they win the league need to bring in big players to keep the other players around them on their toes. Also, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, he is a supreme goal scorer. Uh, he is a big game scorer. Don't listen to the idea that he doesn't score against big teams. He does and would better quality around him I think Liverpool continue uh, dominating at the top and it will help them to change the way they play as well so that opposition teams don't work them out next season Okay, basically I'd take any goalie Dubravka take him Guaita (laughs) take him Henderson bite your bloody arm off Pope yes Heaton yeah I'd take Pepe Reina anyone just any goalkeeper have you seen the um, there's a little video on, on Twitter of the guy in his living room with the cat saving shots that he is peppering in on the goal and, yeah. and it's a brilliant little video and someone's actually put on there the cat is better than Kepper and it's had around about two and a half thousand retweets at the moment I feel <laughs> sorry for Frank Lampard <laughs> um, what is going to excite you about 2020-21 very quickly Crook the fans returning um, I think what we know now is that maybe they've been underappreciated in the past but football without supporters making that noise and, and creating the atmosphere is a much poorer product yeah. and I hate the use of the word product as well um, I'm going to go for Villa West Brom Manchester United Leeds Chelsea Leeds Chelsea Fulham West Brom versus Wolves all the derbies <laughs> all the grudge matches Darren um, I'm yeah. To be fair, Bielsa against Lampard next season is going to be a cracker. Yeah. But I'm going to go for one, probably the most tightly contested title race we've seen for years. Because Chelsea resurgent back in the Champions League, Man United are back in the big time as well. Arsenal under Arteta are going to be stronger next season. Uh, Leicester will spend big this summer and come again. And Spurs under Mourinho are going to be box office. I think we're going to have some fun. It will not be a procession. It will be tightly contested. It will be competitive. And yeah, as a journalist, as a print journalist, I'm really looking forward to covering some of those games. Game day wouldn't be game day without some fantasy football interest. And Dream Team's Andrew Butler is here to give us this season's winners and losers. Andrew, what have you got for us on the final pod of the season? Yeah, well, it's uh, we've still got one game left for the season. The FA Cup final is there. Oh, That's yes. the cut closer for the Dream Team season. Um, but Arsenal and Chelsea players have uh, have done okay in Dream Team, but actually um, most of it has been settled points-wise when it comes to um, top-scoring points players. So I can confidently say that um, congratulations to Raheem Sterling, who ends the Dream Team season top of the charts with a huge a 279 points, um, 10 ahead of his teammate Kevin De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne did end the season with the most 7-plus ratings with an amazing 35. So um, also congratulations to him. Um, the best performing defender was Harry Maguire with 231 points uh, and our favourite topic of conversation in the last couple of weeks had goalkeepers um, Nick Pope finished up um, with 121 points despite only being picked by 2.1% of managers come the end of the season and having so, a worse save percentage than Dean Henderson and conceding goals <laughs> from outside the box um, absolutely we don't maybe maybe one of the changes to Dream Team will be a save percentage and, and have that um, points relevant as well let's look at the bottom of the pack I don't want to you know dwell too much on, on it because um, they've had a torrid season anyway but um, wooden spoons go to Tim Closer and Ben Godfrey of Norwich who both ended the season with uh. minus 11 points Ooh, ouch well uh, Andrew thank you very much for uh, keeping us up to date with all the Dream Team stuff over the course of the season uh, we look forward to having you back next campaign will you please stay and humiliate yourself with a quiz I absolutely will and I'm not confident good not confident at all
Now, earlier in the season, before uh, Darren joined us, um, we had the mid-season quiz in which Andrew Butler... Did you score a point, Andrew? I can't remember. <laughs> I think unless we need to we'll listen back to it. I'm, I'm sure I scored one point. Okay, Alex Crook. I At think, least. If he didn't win, he certainly made out that he won. Um, I won. Yeah, I thought you might remember that. Um, so basically, what we do is, is we I ask a question and it goes round in a circle until someone gets the, the the right answer. Each of you will have a chance to answer the question if the first person doesn't get it, and then it moves on to the next person. So we just go round and round. There are thirteen questions. The person with the most points at the end wins the title as Game Day Preview Pod brain of britain um so uh, are you all ready are you okay lucy you, lucy the producer is here she's here to provide the sound effects and she's also going to uh, mark the papers is that right lucy just want to correct you andrew uh last season you got two points but if i remember rightly one of them was a pity point for me <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah she's right she's <laughs> I right she doesn't <laughs> want any pity points this time around she, please, don't, lucy. she doesn't she doesn't forget <laughs> 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 okay, let's start then. Uh, and we'll start with you, Andrew. Uh, which Manchester United player picked up the fastest Premier League yellow card on record? Um, Aaron Wambasaka. Uh, Darren Lewis, we'll move on to you. That was incorrect. Victor Lindelof. Last chance saloon, Alex Crook for a point. Fred. Nope, it was Scott McTominay against mm-hmm. Newcastle at home. Next question How fast with it, or was it? Andrew Butler. Um, 23 seconds I'm giving you the point it was 24 seconds well done oh yes I'm giving you the point 24 well, inquiry suppose somebody <laughs> yeah. said 24 seconds Darren believe me it will be a pity point um, <laughs> next question Darren Lewis which team lost every one of the 27 matches in which they fell behind therefore became the only side not to get a point from a losing position Norwich Correct. On to you, Alex Crook. How many goals did Manchester City score in the Premier League in 2019-20? I think they got 105. Incorrect. 102. Correct. An extra point for Andrew. Wow. Come on. Um, Darren Lewis, who won more games, Manchester United, Chelsea or Leicester? Manchester United. Alex Crook. Leicester. Incorrect. Another point for Andrew Butler if he just says one word. <laughs> the other one. It was Chelsea. They won two more than both Manchester United and Leicester. Uh, on to Darren Lewis. Sitting eighth in the final table, Arsenal finished in their worst position since which year? 1993. Incorrect. Alex? Since Bruce Rioch was manager, and that would have been the 95 right. 96 season. Close. Andrew? I'm going to say, yeah, it would have been the season before that, 94-95. Correct, 1995. Kevin De Bruyne ended the season by equaling Thierry Henry's assist record. How many did he rack up this season? Darren Lewis. 20. Correct. How many penalties did David Luiz give away in the Premier League last season, Alex? Six. Incorrect. Andrew? Five. Correct. It was five, a Premier League record. Question number nine. How many penalties did Manchester United get awarded this season? Darren Lewis. Seven. Incorrect. Alex? Premier League record. 14. Correct. 14 Premier League penalties. Get him Googling it. He's Googling it. Make him look away from the... He is Googling it. Come on, wake up then. Are you suggesting that Alex Crook is a cheat? I've got every question apart from that one wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Google's broken. He's a very bad cheat. Uh, Question number 10, on to Andrew Butler. Who became the fifth (laughs) outfield player to play every minute of a title-winning campaign? Jordan Henderson. Incorrect. Darren Lewis? Virgil van Dijk. Liverpool fan extraordinaire. Uh, Yes, Virgil van Dijk is the answer. Question 11. Who were the lowest scorers in the league with just 26 goals to their name? Alex Crook. Wow, that's worse than Crystal Palace. Um, Newcastle. Incorrect. Andrew Butler? I was going to say Palace. Darren Lewis? Aston Villa. It was Norwich City. I thought it was Norwich City and I changed my mind because I thought he couldn't ask two questions about Norwich City. (laughs) Sorry, edit that out, please. No, 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 that's staying in. That's the best bit. Um, Question number 12, Alex Crook. Who scored the Aston Villa goal in the League Cup final? The one that I covered for TalkSport. Yep, you were there on the Um, touchline. Trezeguet. Nope, Andrew Butler. 
<laughs> I was also there as well that day. Um, uh, El Ghazi. Nope. Darren Lewis. Jack Grealish. Nope. It was Samata. Oh, I was going to say that was a header, wasn't it? Mm. Question 13, the final one. Jack Grealish scored his first goal in 17 games in all competitions to keep Aston Villa up. Can you tell me the team he scored his previous goal against? Alex? No. Manchester United. I'm I'm really admiring the the focus that is going into thinking about it. Butler? (laughs) Um, Spurs. No. Darren Lewis? Norwich. Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, Lucy, could you give us the results? Well, I mean, this is really a bit of... You've had a right shocker there, Crook, haven't you? In third place, we have Alex Crook with one point. (laughs) In second place, we have Darren with three, which means in a strange twist of events, (laughs) Andrew Butler wins with five points. Well done. Fantastic. I have to say, though, I'm I'm still calling that Stuart's inquiry. You gave him a point for 23. We'll take it off. We'll take it off. I'll take take, take four points. Who won, Lucy? Still Andrew. Still Andrew. Right, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> well done. Well, thank you very much to our dream team. We've had a, a great run this season. Uh, thanks to listeners old and new. We'll be back next campaign. Luce, we are getting a second series, right? Luce? Uh, Luce? I'll, I'll, I'll have a thing. Well, the ultimate preview will we'll be taking a, ba- a break for the next five weeks whilst we drink beer in a beer garden in South End and tie a hanky up on the corners before planting our deck chair in the shingle, whatever the weather. And remember, the FA Cup final between Arsenal and Chelsea is live on TalkSport this Saturday evening and the Championship playoff final on Tuesday is also live on TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.